Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. All right. Hey, guys, this is Doc Hoffpower. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. Lewis over there showing off, he's drinking some Dewar's White Label. I've got a little bit of Glenn Fettich over here. So we've got the showdown ah. of the scotches while we're discussing Here. a really cool new business model. Now, you guys know, um, recently I've been doing this new mini-series in the podcast that discusses different types of business models in dentistry. And, and Lewis, I think you've got a really cool handle on a small group practice model that actually kind of cross pollinates with the specialist GP model. And so you tell me about your business, man. Actually, would you mind if I pull something up real quick? You guys had an no, article published really recently, didn't you? About you. Uh, yeah. and, and I believe it's uh, beam street. Is that correct? That's correct. So guys, you see here three young dentists in New York city, two of them orthodontists, taking a whole new approach to dental care, eliminating all but three procedures, cleaning, whitening, and straightening with Invisalign. And, you know, that was published not only in Forbes magazine, which, I mean, come on, Lewis, that's, you're a baller, Forbes <laughs> magazine. But it was published in several other magazines as well. Um, Forbes was actually just the most reputable one that I found whenever I was looking through the different articles. And so... Mm -hmm. You have your finger on something new. And I'll tell you, as I've been speaking to different dentists across the nation, uh, I told you earlier, they were kind of doubtful, right? So yeah. I know something they don't know, which is that, what is your background, Lewis? All these dentists, you've got um, your business acumen. <laughs> What's your background, Lewis? Uh, I went to college at NYU with a degree in economics. I mean, I started off. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, I loved economics as a, as a concept, as a as a as a subject. Are you saying and, it's possible that you may know more than the average dental graduate about business? I, I know you I think, denied that earlier, but I think you're full of poop. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting because, like, I don't think I know enough, but I am. I feel like my mind is formatted to think like that. Um, I love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, there, uh, there's me, an old boy, saying. To, yeah. There's an old saying whenever it comes to martial arts, and um, someone was talking about the first black belts, and they said the first black belts were not. They were merely people who had a white belt because that's what we wore to hold our gi in place. And they practiced mm -hmm. and they practiced and they practiced. And over the years, their belts became dingy gray and then brown and then finally black. And they wore the same belt every day, but they changed the gi out because the belt stayed in the dojo. And so mm -hmm. their level of knowledge, it wasn't defined by the fact that they were practicing martial arts, but how much they had learned over their journey. And I think right. that's a very honest approach for you to say Hey, look, my mind is formatted in this way. I have had the training that allows me to accept business knowledge. It doesn't mean I'm a business genius, 
but I am perhaps more trained to accept business knowledge than the average dentist. I think that, that that's a very humble approach to things. I mean, it's definitely uh, humbling more as you started actually do it versus to think about it right <laughs> no, doubt, no doubt no doubt my I, th I think i think when you think about it it's just a concept and it's easy to say that i can do it until you start it and you're like this is everything that i didn't think would happen uh you know when i was an economics major what we did i my favorite subject was microeconomics and it was all about firms and and how firms are you know and, and calculating you know, dead weight losses profit margins re you know re revenue so on and so forth um not like finance but that was like my favorite subject, right? So uh, I think consider dental business a micro form of uh, microeconomics. Um, and uh, I'm trying to see if I could uh, reinvigorate my passion for economics or at least that kind of subject into the dental field. I got you. Okay, so, you know, as you're looking at getting out of dental school and you got out of dental school when? 2016. 2016. So you're yeah. really a recent grad. Okay, so before yeah. creating this business model, where were you? What did you do? I went to residency at GPR at okay. uh, Bronx VA. I did one year. Um, after my first year, I was actually pursuing dental tech startup, which many, many people may know, um, Flossbar. So I was initially a co-founder of Flossbar, and I left in 2017 because I was so invested full-time in residency, I decided to do a second year of residency, but couldn't, you know, kind of squeeze out time, carve out time to do startup plus uh, residency. And then during my residency, I rented out a chair in New York City and started my own practice to see patients at night. And I started to teach at Columbia too. So on top of that, startup, full-time residency, you know, start our own practice, teacher so, at Columbia. There was not enough time. <laughs> so, Louis, the, the funny thing is, is that I realize that I'm amongst my own now. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I've lived. Um, my first startup was in about the sixth grade. And um, I, um, I worked near this, uh, near this plant that dumped chemicals in ditches. And they caused mutations in clovers. <laughs> And so what I would do is I would go out, uh, clover, as you know, probably is an indicator species. I would go and I cut off all the extra leaves until I got down to four leaves and I would sell the four leaf clovers for $5 a piece to my classmates. Nice. Don't you wish you had thought of that? Huh? huh? That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I have been an entrepreneur since about the fifth or sixth grade. My son opened his first business in the fourth grade. Um, wow. I, it's just, I think, the way that certain people think. And you obviously are an entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur, um, just from what you've told me. So tell me, when you went into business with these two orthodontists, do they think the way that you think? Is it the economics background that made you think this way to start this program? Or is it the economics background that informed what you needed to do? Uh, a little bit of both, right? So when I first started um, thinking about uh, private practice or even dentistry, just committing myself to dentistry, it started with this, my internship where, you know, I didn't have much dental work done. I didn't know much about dentistry, but what I did know was that people really, you know, first thing I already knew when I was like 18, 19 was people that, you know, wanted to care about how much it cost, you know, and sometimes people will say, you know, what the best treatment for them may not be the right treatment because they cannot afford it, uh, right. at least for them. 
So <clears throat> I committed myself when I was 19, when I was interning, said, you know what, if I'm going to be a dentist, what I wanted to do is make sure that on, my, on a personal level before, you know, any, all this happened was I want to have a practice or a few practices that can, you know, be boutique, um, lower cost, increase the volume, and also be able to, you know, give people the smile that they deserve. Very noble, right? And it's, uh, you know, it's something that most people would say, hey, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so this is around almost uh, back, before, back before, you know, big corporate group practices came about. That was kind of something I was thinking about already. And fast forward to now, um, it was always something that I wanted to do. I mean, one of my partners, um, you know, he, he, he believed in that and, uh, we were, we were in alignment and, um, that's a similar core value that we have and, uh, principle. So you have two partners and you said that you're in alignment with at least one of them. Um, but do they understand or did they initially understand your vision whenever it comes to the actual business model and what is your business model? I know what it is because I've read the article and you and I've talked a little bit, but most of the dentists out there are not going to understand your business model and they're going to really freak out when they hear what it is. <laughs> so, um, the, the business, my partners do agree with business model. Uh, I think that each of them, um, had, you know, agreed that, you know, we can provide, we can do this, um, at a risk uh, as a calculator risk. Uh, the business model is that we have three services that we provide. Uh, there are clear liners, whitening, and hygiene prevention. Uh, and what we believed was that clear liners, uh, having clear uh, aligned teeth and having healthy teeth and clean teeth are hand in hand. It's like a marriage. You can't have, <clears throat> you know, mal malpositioned teeth or malaligned teeth and have good hygiene. Just, you know, naturally, as they have a practice, sometimes always good for hygienists to say, hey, you know what? Uh, would you ever consider clear liners? And that's kind of how it blossomed. And uh, it's, it's, uh, in, in, in we're basically, we're in New York City. And because we're in New York City, our geography allows for that model um, because we just have a, a huge turnover of patients and people and influx of people because New York City is like <laughs> the mecca for everything. <laughs> right. So are you, when, when you guys are looking at this, well, first of all, uh, talking about your model, obviously you provide three services, um, which really probably is more on the lines of like eight to 10 services. When you look at um, orthodontics, limited orthodontics, comprehensive orthodontics, mixed dentition, adolescent dentition, adult dentition, right? So you're, you're probably on the lines of between 10 and 15 different codes, uh, CDT wise, right? Is that about correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, even less, even less. I think we're probably le uh, around uh, no more than no more than ten, less than ten. Okay. So we keep it very streamlined in that sense. And so, with that few codes, um, I would imagine that your overhead, so far as your supplies go, and your lab fees go, are insanely low. Tell us a little bit about what your overhead looks like in this model. And I'm, I'm going to call your model uh, because it doesn't exist yet. And I, I'm, I'm going to take the arrogant approach of, of being the first to name it. I'm going to call it the GP specialist model because you really are a GP and you have a, you've limited your practice to a specialty practice. You do have some specialists working for you, 
Uh, however, you really are limiting to a specialist niche, right? Right. So we're, we're going to call this the GP specialty model because that works on a couple of levels for both implants, um, TMD mm -hmm. guys, uh, sleep apnea guys, and you as an entirely new entrant into the field, the GP orthodontist specialist model. So uh, talk to me a little bit about what your overhead looks like and what your lab fees look like. I mean, because we are limiting our supplies to just a few things, um, you know, very little purchasing of anesthetics, um, really just composites, acid edge, prion bonds, the basic restorative needs. Um, <clears throat> that's what we need. And uh, so we don't really very few have bars. high yeah, very few birds, white stones here and there. Um, so our overhead is low. Our biggest really purchase is actually disposable. So we just, you know, gloves, masks, you know, candy right. wipes, whatnot. So what and do you that's got? Pretty much not very high. What do you got in your overhead down to on disposables and lab fees? I mean, we make sure. So we have, uh, we buy everything in bulk. So this way, we do have a, low, a higher, you know a higher discount on our our um, equipment and supplies um, and we are cautious on making sure that our team does not necessarily just wear one glove toss it away wear a mask toss it away um, so be completely cognizant, cognizant of where they're using their uh, supplies and how they're spending their supplies or using their supplies so we do keep so, that control we order so one Lewis, I'm gonna so. I'm gonna take a wild guess and say you don't know the specific number right now. The specific number, um, it depends because on average, let's say each purchase we get is maybe like 300 a month, maybe, or depends on disposables. I mean, if you throw in composites, it's, it's different. Okay. Let's take a step back and say, how many case starts are you doing orthodontically every month? Uh, when we first started in March, it was slow, you know, it started up and, and what are you now, doing right now? What are you doing right now? Now, so this, as of, let's see, was it, uh, which month was it that we did the best? And maybe I think it was October, November. We had a case, we probably closed 30 cases in, in, in one month. Um, on average, we probably closed 15 to 20. Okay. Excellent. So, Let's call 20, 15 to 20 your average. Okay, 15 to 20 cases a month. What is the average fee? Uh, and I'm assuming we're talking about comprehensive cases because if you're limiting yourself to ortho, you're probably limiting yourself mostly to comprehensive cases, right? So what is your yeah. fee? What, what, at ballpark. You, you obviously, you can't disclose your exact fee. But what is mm -hmm. your fee ballpark? So our fee is transparent on our website. Um, okay. We stick to it as a uh, as our commitment to our patients. Uh, it's forty eight hundred, as okay. for comprehensive. Uh, you know, I charge twice on the minute Well, minutes. not not quite just not not quite that. I, I charge seventy five hundred per uh, comprehensive case. So you guys have Great. got pretty good. <laughs> you guys have got a pretty good uh, pretty good price point there. So I also I print my own cases. Um, and so my, my sunk case cost is less than a thousand dollars per case. What are you guys getting? Because you're doing a lot of volume, right? So what is your, your case cost look like with Invisalign? 
uh, with volume, of course, you get the you know the this discount. <clears throat> so we are at platinum double almost the uh, black di uh, black the diamond. I think I've got the wait oh, wait Lewis Lewis here ready? pinky. You ready pinky? Now say it with me. Black diamond. Black diamond. Black diamond. <laughs> Black diamond. So that I, we're we're in that we're in that range, and so you can call, you can see our. our you get a really huge shit ton of discounts on your prices versus the average Invisalign provider. So you guys are looking at probably eleven hundred and lower for comprehensive case. Is that correct? You know, depending depending on the scale. So we're I think every time, every month, every quarter, it's getting lower uh, because right. of the number of case starts that we have. So approximately what double black, uh, not double black, black diamonds uh, pricing last year is. That's kind of where we are. Excellent. So yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you're hard to pin down, man. Okay, so yeah, so eleven hundred dollar case fees. You know, I can get you lower than that, right? We'll talk. Uh, we're working on it. We'll talk. We're trying to work on it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys are doing a great job there. You've got eleven hundred dollar fee. You're charging how much again? Forty eight. Forty eight hundred dollars. So you've got. $3,700 of, uh, of profit coming in <clears throat> per case um, minus each visit, right? And so I'm assuming you're going to front load all of your IPR and all of your attachments. Is that correct? We That's what most of the smart providers do. Is they front load all that stuff. Guys, for you who, out there who are doing Invisalign and are just losing your butts doing it, um, here's a tip. Front load your IPR. Tell the technicians you want to do all the IPR first or second visit. And then you don't have to see your patient for three or four visits in between. And so, Lewis, how often are you seeing your, your, your patients? How many trays are they going through before they, they sit their butt in your seat? Well, we try to um, see them after a month after their bonding just to see where things are. Okay, so and basically we, four weeks. Yeah, four weeks, and half then we come often, back after. Half as often as the as the normal GP dentist is seeing. They're seeing them every two weeks. That's smart. Yeah. It's less chair time. Mm -hmm. So um, whenever you're looking at your outcomes, um, you guys have been doing this for how long? Not a year, not even a year. We're at uh, in March will be in our first year. So basically your limiteds, you're just about to finish up some of your limiteds or maybe you have finished up some of your minor minor cases at this point. Are you finding a high patient satisfaction? Are you finding that you get a lot of patient referrals? Um, we, we do get a high patient satisfaction rating from our, you know, just by referral uh, reviews. Uh, we do get referrals as well from patients because of um, just kind of the way we design our practice. It's a little different from the standard um, traditional model, which is, you know, ours is uh, on a retail ground floor space in the city. So it makes things a little different from the, you know, traditional model as the, you know, going to an elevator to get up to the, the top of the building to see a dentist. Right. So you, you are getting a lot of patient referrals rather than advertising referrals. As you said, you don't really do much advertising, right? Uh, and it's tough. It's, it's a 
catch 22, you, you do have to front load a little bit more in advertising to get the initial and influx of patients. And sometimes with that, you know, we get patient referrals and we get patients from advertising as well. But we haven't focused so much on advertising because we are front facing. Okay, uh, fantastic. So, Louis, uh, we've been on the air for about 36 minutes. And um, now I'm going to ask you to just give kind of an overview of uh, your business model without me interrupting front to finish. If you had to explain it to someone so that they could do it themselves. And there, there's the detriment of coming on this podcast because now you have to explain your secret sauce or at least most of this. <laughs> so, but we both know you're a badass and no one's going to replicate you. Right? So Lewis, huh. give me your, your top down explanation of what it is you do why it's mm-hmm. special, what makes it different, and what makes it successful? Yeah, so, you know, Beam Street, it's a, it's a unique model. Um, uh, we are trying to target those who, you know, at least from where we are positioned in New York City, we are able to target the patients around us more directly than most other practices in other geographic locations. And so we are utilizing that opportunity to, you know, make sure that that our patients are healthier because you know in new york city most people do not know that they do have some sort of orthodontic coverage um so we do a service for them by you know you know having patients get a consult and we have them go to the hygiene as well to to, you know to make sure we take their x-rays if there's any things that we might need to refer out so the thing about our model is that we actually refer anything that's restorative out to our, you know, trusted doctors in our network because our model is not to do dentistry in, in, in-house. We don't do fillings. We don't do veneers. We don't do surgery. It's clear liners. You come in, anything that's, anything that we see that's obvious, we refer out to a trusted doctor and they get that uh, lead. So naturally we are providing them as a, uh, we, we serve as a marketing resource for them as well. Um, rarely do we get patients from referring doctors because I think a lot of doctors are able to do um, clear lines themselves. But, you know, for us, we want to make sure that um, we're not greedy here. You know, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're giving a uh, business model. Um, we're, we're giving business. Um, why is it successful? I think that success is relative. I think it's still a work in progress. I think uh, once we can understand uh, our data a little bit more, because we're not at the year mark, we're at the 10th mo- month mark, um, it's still hard to assess whether or not we're successful because, you know, there are, there are months that are great months and there are months that are the, the worst months. And we're just trying to ride the wave to kind of see um, the migration of our patients, right? Because in New York City, summertime, everyone just leaves and fall hits, everyone comes back in. So we're just trying to see what, you know, where the pattern of movements for our patients to when we hit the first year mark or more. Um, so I think success is relative, but it makes us unique because we are on the ground floor storefront space. Um, and, you know, the, the doors are, you know, glass. You can see right through it. Um, there's nice graphics, beautiful graphics. It's beautiful space, um, which makes us unique in the metropolitan area. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure how it is in other locations because of, um, the overhead because New York City overhead for rent is very high. Not everyone's willing to cough that up, right? So um, that's where we are. So, Lewis, have you thought about franchising this model? Once you've got the systems down and you know how it works, 
you know how to advertise, you know how to run the practice, and you know how to throw the levers making big changes and turn the dials making small changes. Have you thought about franchising? Um, you know, that's something that my partners and I have not yet uh, fully decided on. I think it's a conversation we had when we initially started to see whether or not it would work. Um, it is still to be decided since it is still a work in progress until we find out that's a systematic way of delivering our treatments and our services. Um, we're getting a little more clarity now than we ever did before because with time comes wisdom um, and we do see a little bit more uh, you know more predictable pattern of uh in our patients so we're not so sure whether or not it's the right time or whether or not franchising is something that we're looking at because there are franchising uh you know fees and that can be pretty high too um and it gets a little tricky with each state because each state law is very different too Absolutely. so that gets uh that gets a little tricky because that kind of puts a limitation on where you, you know, where you can you know uh, flourish the short answer is yes, we have, but we're not sure how to do it yet. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> so there's, there's an old saying, and it says that success comes from wisdom, and wisdom comes from failure. Right. So I wish you much success, my friend, and I wish you very little wisdom. <laughs> 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 thank you i don't i wish the same as well i think the wisdom comes from uh more green and red <laughs> that's that's uh that's well, kind guys, of where we are thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the dear doc podcast again this is our our second episode in this mini series of um different business models um and um and how they work for different people uh, our, our goal is to show people that there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There, there's more than one way to run a dental business. And I hope you've learned something today. If not something to do, then something not to do. Right. You guys have a fantastic day. And, and, and Luis, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and, and, of course. and your wisdom, of course. <laughs> Was the, you know, I'm happy to, I mean, you know, since uh, there have been talks about, you know, our model, you know, there have been a lot of people who have been supportive and actually want to take this to their practices and in fact start new ones. So that gives us a lot of hope to see that there's, um, where that we're making a difference. And I think that by taking back, uh, you know, the markets by targeting, you know, our consumers uh, in a more direct way, um, we would be able to take back, you know, the, you know, bring back the, I guess, the quality of uh, clear line of market. So, uh, Lewis, one last thing I'll ask of you. As you sit here, uh, you are 11 months into your new startup and uh, things are going well. At this point, you've learned some things. And if you could boil them down into a simple one-sentence statement, that if you could go back and tell anyone graduating dental school right now your best advice for being successful, even if it's not in the liner field, what would it be? Um, you know, pursue your passion with conviction uh, because, you know, this is something that I 
firmly believe that. that was gonna gonna that was gonna work because it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, um, it sometimes just needs to break the ice a couple times and just you know it, it's gonna make people uncomfortable. But I think with that level of discomfort it comes a little bit of clarity, um, and I've gotten a lot more clarity over the over the months when you know uh, from naysayers and the people who are supportive. So I do get both sides of the story and it's, you know with pursuing your passion is not going to be easy you're it's not going to be the you know it's rainbows and sunshine it's everything but that there's a lot it's a, it's pretty much a storm um and you send something don't know when the storm's gonna fade um but you just keep your head up high and that's part of pursuing your passion it's not going to come easy it takes time um come hell or high water right so absolutely all right my friend good night Folks, Good night. thank you for joining us. This is Dr. Christopher Huffpower with the Duradoc podcast and my special guest, Lewis. <laughs> thank you. you guys Appreciate it for having me, and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.